Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Whiskey Tango Life Podcast. I'm glad that you could join with us today. Um, we have we have a on-site interview, which is a, a rare occasion and a pleasure to be able to do. Um, there's been a lot of stuff going on within the past couple of years, and I was actually thinking about this on my way over to the the interview this morning, that our era uh, that we are growing up in, that uh, all of us are experiencing right now, is kind of going to be defined by this virus and what's been going on with it. And the interview that you may have just seen that was released before this one, we're talking about um, people passing away in the hospital and losing loved ones, not being able to be by their side as they die um, because of COVID restrictions in the hospitals and not, not being able to even be with someone to hold their hand as they're passing away, which has been proven to improve someone's health. Uh, while they're in the hospital. We've talked about the virus itself, all the misconceptions going back and forth, the lies that have been told, uh, true treatments for uh, COVID and what's been going on. And it's just been insanity that so many of, of the things that we talk about have revolved around this issue. One thing that we haven't really gotten into though is the economics behind businesses and what happens with those. And I think it's really important to think about this as we go into the future because we can't allow a shutdown to affect businesses in the same way that it has with this last one. Uh, they always talk about history, learning from your mistakes so you, you don't repeat them again. This is exactly the time to actually be able to do that. So. I'm honored today to be able to be interviewing Jordan. Uh, he owns Seven Sirens Brewing Company in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and that's where we're at right now. And we're going to be talking about what led into him starting his business and the, the crash collision course that he was on uh, with the pandemic and didn't know it was coming. So Jordan, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming out, man. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> great lead in. <laughs> there's a lot, yeah. there's obviously yeah. a lot going on with mm -hmm. everything, you know? So what I want, what I want to start off by doing is talk about, um, you obviously have a military background. You mm -hmm. can start with that and then kind of between there and you deciding, Hey, this is, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, tell, tell me about that journey. Yeah, so um, I grew up uh, in my family, both sides of my family were entrepreneurs. Um, I didn't want to do that. You know, I always thought it was annoying that my dad was at all my field trips growing up. And I was like, why can't you just go to a job like all the rest of the dads? And, you know, I got out of high school and was going to school for business. And I realized quickly that that was just going to land me working with my dad. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to try a different path, and uh, my grandfather was in the Navy in World War II, so chose the Navy, you know, adventure of a lifetime, serve my country, get an education, see the world, you know, grow up a little bit, you know, not a whole lot, but yeah. enough. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I did six years in the Navy as a fire controlman. I worked on a destroyer on uh, computer-controlled automated like weapon systems and stuff like that. Um, I did a lot of consuming of beer and got into the production of beer. Okay. Um, in, in the Navy? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I was stationed in San Diego. And San Diego, there's something like 160 craft breweries in San Diego County alone. Uh, so it's kind of an unavoidable you know, uh, thing over there. And then one of my friends actually got out of the military and opened a brewery. And I was kind of home brewing at the time and meddling with you know that whole process. And... Uh, 
fast forward, get out of the military, um, finish my degree, get a job, buy a house, all the adult stuff they tell you to do. And, you know, it was all boring. And, um, you know, I was 26 at the time, had no wife, no kids, you know, I used my GI Bill, no college debt or anything like that. And I said, if not now, when, you know, it's yeah. the best time to, to do something. And uh, that's when I was trying to figure out, all right, what am I, you know, what am I drawn to? What am I trying to do? And, um, you know, the craft beer thing kept coming up. I always liked, uh, when I was in the military, everywhere you go on the planet, there's these communal uh, congregation areas where the community comes together and there's art and food and drink and music and kids and dogs and the whole community comes together. And, um, you know, I didn't know at the time, but that was kind of shaping my view of, you know, society and how people should interact. And, you know, again, fast forward to coming up with the business, um, you know, there was no beer gardens at the time in the Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Um, you know, if you Googled it at the time, you would come up with like the Coca-Cola Park, you know, beer garden, which is like right. their craft beer area and smoking yeah. area. Um, or uh, Dunderbox at the Lehigh Valley Mall, which is amazing and I love going there, but it's, it's not a beer garden. Um, so that's kind of where I started realizing, hey, maybe there's um, uh, a, a place in the market for something like this. And especially with how uh, rapidly the Lehigh Valley was expanding and um, how the culture has been changing and adapting uh, in the Lehigh Valley. And, uh, you know, one Google search led to another. And then here we are. <laughs> and you're you were talking about the culture behind everything. Mm -hmm. and, and I really think that you hit the nail on the head with this area here. I mean, you're right down the street from the casino. Mm -hmm. You have uh, what's the art center? Right Arts Quest. Here? Yeah, Arts, Arts Quest. Quest. The banana yeah. factory is right around yeah. the corner. Banana factory. Mm -hmm. That's what I was mm -hmm. thinking of. And it's just it. It is a rebounding culture in the Lehigh Valley. You mm -hmm. know, from the days of Billy Joel singing the blues about Allentown and yeah. uh, and Bethlehem Steel and everything. Um, but you know, I love. I love this setup. Obviously, I have one of these as my uh, desk for my set and everything. And I've been here on nights, uh, you know, drinking with people and watching bands play. And it's just, it is a, it is its own subculture set, mm -hmm. really. I mean, in, compared to going out to all the college bars in the mm -hmm. area, you know, it's just, it's a di different atmosphere. Yeah. So you decided to open a bar, mm -hmm. open a beer garden. Mm -hmm. And you start going through the process. What, how long did that conception process take to buying the building and actually starting to, to turn something, you know? Yeah, so uh, from concept to our first beer poured was about three years. Okay. Um, we spent a year and a half uh, kind of figuring out the processes, building business plans, find, learning how to get financing, learning you know all the ins and outs, all that, with the licensing and permits and zoning and all that kind of stuff. So we spent a year and a half on a location in Allentown that actually fell through like at the last minute before mm -hmm. financing. And um, you know, we weren't dissuaded. Um, you know, it was just another, another obstacle in the road for us. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, you know, armed with all the knowledge and experience we had from that year and a, and a half of going through the process of opening, we uh, were able to relocate to Bethlehem and uh, kind of hit the ground running. So that second year and a half took a lot less time um, figuring things out, get, like I said, getting our, uh, getting the ball rolling. So all said and done about three years. So when were you supposed to open? The first, open your oh, first Oh man, uh, that would have been 
2018-ish. Okay. You know, so. And it got held off a little bit? Yeah, so got held off. And then when we were uh, working in Bethlehem, uh, we had a, a new set of challenges. You know, the location in Allentown we were looking at, there was no historic review board. Mm. Um, took us six months to get our facade approved here because we were in a historic district. Yeah. And, um, you know, we understand the value in that mm -hmm. and are happy to be a part of, you know, a historic district in the uh, up and coming area. Um, so. You know, but if when you go into it knowing that there's going to be unique uh, circumstances that you have to navigate and work with, and uh, you know, especially with kind of a new concept in the area, we had to do some educating. Yeah. You know, what I mean, of what who we are and what we're actually doing and what we're not doing, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> it was a good time. So that leads into 2019, then, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's when you officially are supposed to open the doors here. Yeah, yeah. So 29, we were, uh, you know, hoping to open in 2019. We actually ended up opening our doors on Valentine's Day of 2020. So February 14th, which, you know, coming up here in like a month or so, yep. is going to be our two-year anniversary, which mm -hmm. is crazy to think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> feels but like yeah. it goes fast and also at the same time oh, grinding yeah. a lot. Yeah, all the, uh, all the sleepless nights, it did not feel quick. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're getting ready to open and this virus starts making the news right and you are you, like you said you open you said you opened on valentine's day mm -hmm. so at that point 2020 i mean we are in the pandemic yeah at that point so you know with all the restrictions and everything coming out um tell me about the struggle you had with the state government yeah so um as you mentioned, right when we were opening, that's when, you know, it's on the news and, you know, we've seen H1N1, the swine flu and a bunch of different stuff coming and going and none of it was, you know, uh, less serious or more serious. You know, nobody knew at the time, you know, the severity or the data or any of that. There was none. Mm -hmm. um, so three weeks after we opened, uh, we got the official notice from the state that we had to close. Um, we were open uh, officially 28 days. If we were open for 30 days, we would have been eligible for the PPP loans and grants and loans and all of that stuff. But because we weren't and uh, there were no waivers or anything like that, we were ineligible. How many days off were you? Two. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> Two days. Um, you know, it's like it has to be humorous to us. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. otherwise you just completely lose your mind over, you know, the, that is how it all unraveled for us. Um, but, you know, the day the shutdowns happened, you know, I had 20 employees texting me like, hey, what are we doing? You know, and, and yeah. you have no idea at that time what we're even allowed to do. You know, yeah. are we allowed to come in and brew beer and can and, you know, deliver? Are we allowed to, like, what are, what are you know, nobody had any idea. So we, um, we had to just very quickly... Uh, figure out what what where we stood, what you know, what uh, obligations we had to the bank, to our employees, to you know, all, all these different things. So, uh, yeah, no, it was a, a very hectic, quick period of time. I'm guessing little sleep was had. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, no, we still don't get much yeah. of that. But. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the PPE stuff. What's interesting about that is there's a lot of stories out there that even if if you did qualify a lot of people weren't getting it yeah uh applying for it were told that they were getting it and still weren't getting mm -hmm. it you know um so who knows if that would have even come through anyway mm -hmm. um obviously within 
you know, you're open for 28 days. The obligation of the business, obviously, you start a business in debt, you know, and you're, you're building that back up and you're, and you're hoping to make a profit eventually. And then you're immediately hit with this shutdown order and the governor's coming out and we had one of the we had one of the worst governors uh at well we still do at the point <laughs> of this interview um in the country at that time along with uh cuomo and murphy out in new jersey you had newsom out in um california you had whitmer uh you know and littlefoot in chicago as the mayor out there and everything and these people were let me ask you this. Okay. Do you, are you aware that uh, Governor Wolf was allowing his family's business to continue operation during the oh, shutdown? Oh, yeah, the cabinet company? The cabinet company, yeah. Yeah, and he, he shut down his opposition's cabinet companies. Yep. And um, I do recall that the uh, waiver system, uh, there was no rhyme or reason. There was yep. no legal definition of who could or couldn't or... Uh, who was essential, who wasn't essential. Um, I remember all of that. And uh, it was a struggle because uh, everyone's bills are essential. Yeah. Everyone's mortgage is essential. Everyone's food on their table for their family yeah. is essential. So to say that, you know, one person makes jello and another one makes vaccines, one isn't more or less essential. You right. know, it's their means to provide for themselves and their families and their future. Exactly. Um, so that was, that was the hard part. And, um, you know, being in the military, um, I definitely understood the concept of being on board with a mission that I might not necessarily agree <laughs> right, with. Yeah. You know, I understood that. And um, I, uh, I struggled with, I don't need to agree with it, but I need to like at least understand what the mission is. Or see a, or, an end goal. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, what are we, what are we working towards? What are we, like, what, what are the measurable milestones that we exactly. can, that we can meet together? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's do this together. I'm yep. all about like, I'm all about like, I at no point did I want to be painting the ass to anyone. And I've, you know, reached out to the governor. I've reached out to um, anyone who could explain what I should be doing. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've got no response. No response. Um, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, every step of the way, you know, even with, with the reopening and the limitations with that and the food requirements when we ended up doing lunchables and uncrustables and you know people think we were like mocking it but we don't have a kitchen yeah yeah you know what i mean so so just because we don't have a kitchen you can go somewhere and have a beer because you can get a peanut butter and jelly there but you can't here so you know that was the the workaround that we figured out and had to adapt um and uh yeah, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, any of the decisions were easy for any of the governors or, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, we uh, we did what we had to do and we tried working up with our chain of command as much as possible. I think what I was just thinking as you were talking about the uh, the food items that you were giving and everything is you never know when an interview like this is going to be listened to. It could be listened to 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't understand the absurdity that we were going through at the time of this idea that you could go into a restaurant, you had to be wearing a mask to go in, but when you sat down, you could take it off. Mm -hmm. Like the virus only hovered at like five foot, six foot in the air, you know? Mm -hmm. So between that and the, you had to have food, but you couldn't just drink. And I mean, the, the rules were so 
obnoxious. Obnoxious and in addition to obnoxious, vague and not properly communicated. Right. So even county to county, you had different health departments and different mayors and different police departments. No one was consulted. No one was asked, how do you plan on implementing this? Do you plan on implementing this? Yeah. Uh, is there any legal uh, recourse if you were to implement this? Are there any suggestions on how we should? There was none of that, which made it difficult because at the local level, the local officials who wanted to help the local business and wanted to uh, adhere to the mandates, they were left in the dark as well. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was a really difficult time because everyone was just figuring it out and just kind of was was put in this position where, uh, you know, no matter what you do, you're wrong. Yep. You know, like I know some counties, you could have a hot dog roller that counted as food. But as soon as the mandate was up, you had to get rid of the hot dog roller because it wasn't safe. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Like, <laughs> it's safe to have during a pandemic, but yeah. I can't have, what if my customers like hot dogs? Yeah. Why can't I, you know, yep. and it's, and again, that was county to county. You know, and when people would come in, other business owners would come in and ask me like, hey, how are you doing this? I'm like, look, I couldn't tell you how to do it across the street. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it is it is county lines, streets, um, you know, all that stuff. And that was that was, again, you know, part of the, the confusion. Um, but, you know, our success came from communicating up the chain of command. You know, we reached out to the health department, the police department, the mayor's office, the, you know, the governor as much, you know, whoever we could. And um, who was getting back to you besides um, this, the governor? This city, the city, um, I will always sing their praises. They, um, you know, with with everything that happened and the position that they were in, um, you know, they understood the situation we were in. We worked with them for years to get mm -hmm. open yeah. and have invested a, a, a ton of time and energy and money into an area that they are trying to bring up and coming and yeah. redevelop. And, um, you know, and we, all the things that we did that we had to do, we still were adhering to the mandates, um, you know, with the percentage of occupancy in here. Our occupancy is 320 people in here. So 25% is still a ton of people in one room. Yeah. You know, so when, when people would complain or drive by and see 80 people in here, they would say, oh, it's a packed house. They're doing whatever they want. They're yeah. overflowing onto the sidewalk. I, I said, well, it's, it's called outdoor seating. Yeah. Um, it's a <laughs> Which was another adaption. Yeah, it's, it's a licensed area that we are legally allowed to use outdoors, which is safer than indoors. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think they were uh, willing to help us just because we weren't just scoffing at it and we weren't just, you know, uh, it, it wasn't just a political statement for us. It was how we had to operate. To, it was survival. Yeah. You know, and they understood that. And it was, again, it wasn't some us stomping our feet, you know, picketing, uh, you know, is what we had to do for our families and our employees. Yeah. And, you know, people often question that or this, this, that, but it, we had, again, we operated within the bounds of the law. Have you as a business owner heard, you obviously made the news. I want to talk about mm -hmm. that in a, in a couple minutes too, but did you as a business owner hear from other business owners who did shut down and lost their businesses? Uh, were they reaching out to you? You had said like, how are you doing it and everything else? Were you hearing like these stories of just people losing their family businesses in the meantime while all this was happening, while you guys were fighting for everything? Yeah, um, there were a bunch of places that reached out or physically came, it, came in and uh, 
wanted to see how we were doing what we were doing. And I remember like, uh, it was weird because we have all the permits and licenses to legally operate how we were operating. You know, there was no secret. There was no, I didn't have some special handbook that told us how to do what we were doing. We were operating within our legal rights. Um, and, uh, you know, we helped a few different businesses, uh, navigate this as well. Um, you know, we got positive feedback, we got negative feedback, you know, it's, and we understand that. And we, uh, we understand that not everyone's going to like everything you do, no matter what, no matter who you are, you know, yeah, this one uh, really divided people. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And, uh, you know, we always just double down on the idea that, Hey, this is a global emergency. People are making decisions in emergency situations for themselves. Yeah. And I, and I'm we're that's all we're doing. And we hope that they, even the people who oppose us can have that right to make those decisions that mm -hmm. they need to make for themselves and their families and their communities. You know, again, some people were receptive to that idea and some weren't. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I hope they're healthy and happy and safe. Yeah. So the, um, Let's talk about you making the news. Basically, at one point in time, you'll, you'll have a better idea of the number, but there was, uh, was it 13 or in the 20s of a core group of business owners in Pennsylvania that were battling the state that were known as like the group? Yeah, um, I know the number definitely fluctuates and it's hard to really say because I know there was ones doing it overtly and then there was ones doing it covertly. Not everyone yeah. posted on their Facebook that they were staying open or what they were doing. They just operated. Um, kind of under the radar, mm -hmm. which everyone does what they need to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we linked up with a couple other businesses who were in similar situations um, and kind of just pulled our resources together, put our heads together. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, we got uh, positive and negative, you know, feedback from different ones. You had, I'm guessing you have your own lawyer. Right. Yeah. So um, throughout the duration of all of this, you know, we accumulated a bunch of fines, um, which we uh, ended up not having to pay any of them. Um, they all got dropped before they went to court. Um, every judge in the state said they were not going to uphold any of these. Wow. Um, there to date has not been a single judge who has upheld any of these fines or regulations against businesses. Um, and uh, we paid $500 for a retainer for an attorney, and that was that was the extent of it. That's amazing. Yeah. So I guess that, that was leading into my question of, you guys had this group of businesses that were all communicating with each other. Was there any type of, that you know of, interaction between lawyers or a, a, maybe like a firm or something that was trying to represent everybody so that they could pull it all together? Yeah. Um, so there, there was a couple Facebook groups and, um, uh, you know, our attorney worked with, a, a, a represented a bunch of us. So they actually like pooled all of our information together mm -hmm. and kind of fought collectively. Um, which is, I think the reason why, you know, kind of all got dropped, you know, we all had the same sentiment. We all had the same, you know, all that information. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of did turn into a little coalition. Um, and uh, I, I know there was like some lawsuits about it. We weren't involved in any of that. You know, again, we were just busy making and selling beer. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do, you know, remember that. Again, we were 
at that time, like we still weren't even in business long enough to like, I, we weren't trying to like lead the charge. We weren't trying to, you know what I mean? We were like, Hey, we support you guys, you know, however we need to, we support our community. That's when we were giving out free meals. We got pallets of food from the national guard and we're distributing in our community. We were just, we were trying to just reinvest in ourselves, our employees, our community. And, um, yeah, just, I just remember like it just being a complete, you know, uh, lack of a better term, shitstorm all around us, just yeah. everyone, you know, and again, like even the people who are on our side were critical of some of our decisions or if, uh, our employees wore face masks because that was their choice. You know what I mean? The whole, the, for us, we are, you know, that, that was what we were fighting for that we're saying that we give you the right to choose what right. is safe for you and yep. what you feel comfortable with. So it, it was just, it was just crazy. Like I said, you can't make anyone happy. No, yeah, you're right. And that, and that kind of feeds into the what I said earlier about it was such a dividing factor mm -hmm. is, you know, it's, it's seemingly more guided now into a political divide. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, for instance, my, myself and my family, we were actively going out and spending money at places yeah. that were staying open mm -hmm. as an act of defiance ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and... Um, you know, if, if we had to, well, I was going to say if we had to wear a mask to get in, but not to sit down and everything. Mm -hmm. But now that I think about it, we didn't go anywhere like that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we were just like, no, you know, it's it. this is a freedom issue. Absolutely. And everything. Um, it's, it's just insane. So mm -hmm. what 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 have you taken away from this whole experience? You know, I mean, <clears throat> typically, typically a business owner learns along the way, learns the ropes along the way as you're doing everything, but you could not have found a more throw someone in the deep end situation as what you guys had to deal with. Yeah, with trial by fire. Um, yeah, no, we, uh, the number one thing is we learned that our uh, employees are absolutely stellar. You know what I mean? We learned that, um, you know, when no one knew what to do, they knew that they sh should show up. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and those who lived with, uh, like immunocompromised family members, we gave them the ability to not come in, mm -hmm. you know, again, like we, at the time, nobody knew, and I'm not expecting yep. someone who lives with their parent who has cancer, you know what I mean? To come work at a bar. Like, yep. I totally understand that. So, um, what we learned definitely was just, um, you know, be understanding of everyone's specific situations because. We're not them. Mm -hmm. I can't expect to understand how or why even you and I, who are very like-minded, you know yeah, what I mean? Like you're yeah. gonna make your decisions, I'm gonna make mine, I'm gonna respect that. Yep. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people uh, resonated with that because again, in a time of uncertainty, you can at least fall back on, hey, just be a decent person to other people yep. who you don't know what they're going through. Um, and, uh, and just show up and push forward. You know, um, I think America was founded on, you know, good values and morals and hard work ethics and stuff like yep. that. And, uh, you know, the world doesn't just stop. The world goes on with or without you, you know, and, um, you know, we pushed forward and we did made the best decisions we could at the time with the data we had. Um, would we do some stuff differently? Probably, but that's life. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that's the learning. Experience. Yeah, that's yeah. part of it. And, uh, you know, we don't beat ourselves up over any of that. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely like, I pride myself in 
you know, I remember in the beginning thinking, we're all the businesses are on the same level now. This is no one knows how to operate. Right. No one knows what the future holds for this kind of stuff. Um, so we said, what's what's the one thing we can do? And that's invest in our community, mm -hmm. invest in our people, invest in, you know, and uh, we just kind of kept <clears throat> kept true to that. And uh, things worked out. How about going forward? What is uh, what is your plan? Do you have a plan to be? I want to say politically involved, mm -hmm. but I think that as a business owner, you now have an understanding of having some sort of in with the political arm of the state, at least, mm -hmm. to always be on top of what's going on. Have you figured out those avenues to get the information as quickly as possible? Yeah. Stay politically connected so you can navigate all waters no matter what party you're dealing with? Yeah, I never, you know, going into this, we thought we were just going to sell beer and pet yeah. puppies and do fundraisers and, you know, live happily ever after. Um, you know, as you said, throughout this process, we um, were forced to learn, you know, who, who's in our chain of command, who do we work with, who do we talk to uh, pertaining to certain issues. And um, I think that we did a really good job um, with just presenting ourselves in a manner of, hey, we're here to communicate. We're here. We're not here to make your job harder. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be the health director or yeah. of a city during a pandemic. You know what I mean? Like, so um, I think that there's a lot of respect that goes up and down, you know, the chain of command here. And, um, you know, like I said, we're. We're in a, a good position with them. Um, we have communicated with them in the past. We have no problem doing it in the future. It so. sounds like the biggest difference between you and maybe what some other business owners were dealing with was that back and forth of respect instead of mm -hmm. just a one-way street of you begging and trying to be nice and, and hitting brick walls the entire time. Yeah, no, um, we, don't, we don't beg. You're yeah. free people, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and we... Again, you know, and that, that was the hard part, understanding, you know, in the military, like, I earned my freedom. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I served for six years. I have a whole slew of medical issues associated, and um, it wasn't for a watered-down version of freedom. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, again, this isn't uh, us jumping up and down, shooting fireworks in the sky, but yep. it's, we have the right as human beings to, to provide. Yep. you know, and to build and to invest, you know, so that's what we did. Well, you talk about where you see this going in the future. What kind of plans do you have for Seven Sirens? Um, so we are trying to expand. Um, a lot of people resonated with our values. Um, a lot of people loved our product. Mm -hmm. You know, we were shipping beer. We were delivering beer. Um, you know, while we had to sell it to go, we sold a ton to go. Um, you know, we're, we're, we always had the idea of opening our rooftop as a rooftop bar, uh, 4,000 square feet. So that'll give us a whole ton. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, another occupancy for another 180 people up on the rooftop, um, which we've invested in the elevator and the infrastructure of the building. Uh, and then uh, outwards, we're looking at other locations in the Lehigh Valley that we can uh, we can supply our own product to and be other like uh, tertiary kind of tap rooms mm -hmm. um, and still kind of keep this place as our like our headquarters and our main production facility until we outgrow this. So how far out do you ship uh, the beer? Um, so we're allowed to ship statewide. Okay. So we uh, we shipped beer obviously throughout the state and then uh, we have 
physically delivered in the Lehigh Valley. I think it was like a 15 mile radius. This, I may be just completely ignorant to Go this whole it. thing, but if someone's in another state and wants your beer, is there a way of getting it to them? Or? Not legally. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you need someone to make a road trip basically yeah, at that yeah. point. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there, you know, looking back, reflecting on everything that you've been through throughout this whole process of starting your business and the pandemic and just taking everything <laughs> into consideration, is there anything that you want people to know about how we move forward? Uh, as business owners, as, as a community, as a country? Communicate. I mean, that's yeah. the number one thing um, that I think was lacking and I think it's still lacking. Um, mm -hmm. And I understand that to communicate, you need to have information to communicate and that there was a lack of information. Um, but I think that uh, the best way to do it would to be just reach out to those who uh, are your direct contacts mm -hmm. for all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, we were successful at it because, uh, you know, we preemptively did that. You know, we said, hey, before this happens and before we're in this situation where we're either butting heads or, you know, neither of us know what to do, let's talk about what this is going to look like. Yep. You know, let's talk about what your expectations from us are, what our expectations from you are, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, People don't communicate well anymore to begin with ever since, you know, Facebook and, yeah. you know, people uh, really lost that that just basic understanding like, hey, there's they're just a human. They're just yeah. doing their job, too, whether, you know, this, you know, I know people in Nazi Germany were just doing their job as well. But <laughs> at the same time, um, we have to ex uh, you have to exhaust all of your resources. Yeah. You know what I mean? And extend grace where possible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if at the end of the day you don't align and you can't come to a conclusion, that's that's a conversation. For, you know, it's another topic. Yeah. You know, but you, we have to do our due diligence as fellow Americans to keep the ball rolling, to keep this all intact, to keep keep us moving forward. Um, so yeah, my, I, I don't I don't think you know as 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 a company we're not going backwards. Everyone always asks you know if what more lockdowns and this this and that. You know we had to stay open last winter during the the shutdown. Mm -hmm. um, it's not an option for us. Exactly. Yeah. You know and um, you know the resources are out there for you should you um, want to make those decisions or uh, you know I know a ton of businesses you know. Um, in 2021, when the winter winter second lockdown expired, I know many, many local businesses, and I can only imagine that further than local, it, it was the same kind of sentiment that if they extended it again, they were just they're done. They're done. Yeah. There's only so much you can do, um, you know. And everyone wants to participate. Everyone wants to be on the same team, and you know. But again, at the same time, if if things keep changing, like this was all predicated on our volunteering to, to participate for 14 days for 14 days. That was, <laughs> that was the promise. That yep. was the agreement. That was the contract yeah. that we had to endure for 14 days to make sure that the hospitals weren't overrun and that, uh, to flatten the curve. Yeah. There's no evidence supporting that opening or closing has anything to do with the curve. Yep. Um, so, it was uh, a really just weird time, and uh, 
yeah, we're, we just can't go backwards, especially with, you know, the data and everything we have at this point. What I, what I really find interesting about this specific topic is the fact that without getting into what I do for a living, besides doing the podcast, um, <clears throat> I travel around, I have clients, homeowners and everything that I talk to in the construction field, basically. And as I, as I went around to different communities, I went to a small community up in the Pocono area uh, and there was a small town where I talked to a police officer during the height of the pandemic. I never stopped working. Mm -hmm. I worked outside. I worked, I, I, I go up and I inspect on roofs. I'm never, I never really had to be inside and I respected people for that. Yeah. I did online meetings. I transitioned as much as I could, mm -hmm. which is not something you could do with physical beverages and yeah. everything else. Um, but I started doing online meetings, sitting in my van right outside, talking to people mm -hmm. after I got done with an inspection. But as I'm talking to these communities, I'm hearing people losing their, I mean, three, four generations of family businesses wiped off the map, mm -hmm. just gone from this. No coming back at all. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to a police officer up in the area that said, you know, we get maybe one suicide a month in this area mm -hmm. and that's really pushing it uh usually it's like maybe a couple a year he said weekly we're getting multiple suicides yeah, overdoses all these yep. things yep the the exactly and that's the increase in in depression the increase in uh drug use uh just the socioeconomic factors that that are behind the curtains mm -hmm. for stuff like this it wasn't just the virus and, and the shutdown of the economy that was affected. This is all a machine, mm -hmm. you know? It's all these gears working and you throw a rod in there and it all goes to hell mm -hmm. so quickly. It was unbelievable. I mean, the stuff that I'm talking about, the, the people that you talk to were in the first two months of shutting down. We're going on the third year of still dealing with a lot of restrictions and everything. And and I don't know how far you've traveled recently, mm -hmm. but where we are in Bethlehem, there's some there's some you know some restrictions still in place mm -hmm. when you go into different places here. I live up in the mountains, and if you go into a general store, almost nobody's wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. Around here, there's probably some. There's a guy walking outside by himself right now wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, you head down past the Lehigh Valley. And right now, if you go down to Philadelphia, it is terrible. Like the the mass psychosis of uh, just everybody being so in fear of everything. Yeah, one of the crazy. one of the one of the big things for me when we were doing one of our community cleanup days during the uh, pandemic, just uh, people like not even making eye contact or saying hello as yep. you're walking by. You know, just very very basic human interaction things yep. that you know i guess we all took for granted just being decent neighbors just being able to see a smile yeah you know what i mean like when you you can tell when someone's eyes lift up under mm -hmm. a mask but there's still a a huge disconnect mm -hmm. no wonder everybody's so pissy and at each other's throats you can't even see if someone's smiling at you mm -hmm. anymore yeah it's crazy but um why don't we end this by you telling everybody um, where they can find more information about Seven Sirens cool. and follow along and even it, where the location is so people can yeah. come out and see. Absolutely. So all of our information is on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, at Seven Sirens Beer. 
Um, our website, www.sevensirens.beer. Um, super, super easy to remember. Nice. <laughs> um, we're right here in Southside Bethlehem, uh, right across the Hill to Hill Bridge, uh, 327 Broadway, uh, Bethlehem. And uh, we're here seven days a week. Um, you know, that was another little adaptation that we did so that we, if you didn't want to come on a busy Friday night, you can come mm -hmm. on a Tuesday. Um, you know, so we're open seven days, um, you know, food, food trucks all the time, live music, you know, on the weekends, Friday, Saturday nights, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, or just reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you like us, if you hate us, we like, we'll take it all. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen these respond we're to We're used to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, Jordan, thank you very much. I appreciate, appreciate the interview yeah. and the business and also your, your service to the country and everything as thank well. You. So, uh, listen, we, as I have, uh, keep on mentioning, we have a lot of really great interviews lined up for this season. Um, a couple more are already in the schedule and ready to go. And I'm working on getting in touch with a couple really interesting people. Um, Actually, one of the fan favorites at the end of this month, I should be, it's January 2022 right now, uh, should be interviewing Lucy Brenton for another follow-up on the pandemic. And her predictions came true again once uh, we, we ended the last podcast with her with predictions. And she pointed out last year, uh, early last year, that there was going to be major supply chain issues. And this was before anyone was even talking about it. Here we are right mm -hmm. now with major supply chain issues. So we're gonna to talk to her about where the vaccines are and what's going on with the virus. Gotta keep with it, mm -hmm. keep on top of everything and keep on talking about the virus. But uh, a couple more interviews are being lined up in regards to military people and the continuing effort to save people in Afghanistan. Um, veteran suicides uh, is going to be a big issue this this season with one of the people that we're talking to and uh, a, a pact uh, promise pact basically that's going on with this one organization that is trying to cut down veteran suicides so that's going to be interesting as well but there's a lot of stuff going on I appreciate everybody joining us thank you again to Seven Sirens and Jordan for joining us today and we'll catch you on the next podcast have a great night and God bless America oh yeah